0: Welcome to The Approach Shot, the golf show that's more laughs than links, more stories than strokes, more guffaws
1: than golfers. Here are the hosts of The Approach Shot, John Ashton and Neil Michaels.
2: Well, we were back last week and we've come back again. No, 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 that's
3: okay. We listened to what you said and we're still coming. That's Man, right approach shot. Wait, I'm who just, said that? <laughs> I'm, <sorry. laughs> I'm Neil Michaels. and I just got back from a five day trip to go see family back east. My daughter moved. and because you can tell from my extremely hefty physique, I'm the guy because I am this guy who when somebody moves, I pretend I'm one of the movers, and I bring boxes down and I bring boxes out and, And other people just sort of look at me like, you know, you're paying people for this, and I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, you know, I just like to be part of the crew. I'm the guy who has a pickup truck
2: and has a bumper sticker on the back that says, "Yes, it's my truck. No, I won't help you move."
3: (laughs) I don't know what it is. I, you know, (laughs) when I moved to Atlanta, I had a a friend there, and she said, "Listen, if I'm going to help you move, there's two rules. One is you move at my pace. The second is." You never walk down a ramp. You always run down the ramp. Why? And she said, because it takes the same amount of energy and we get done faster. And it's fun to watch you hit the ground. Right. right. At the bottom you of the you hit the ground harder. <laughs> exactly. Thanks, Julie Webb. Pre- appreciate that. <laughs> I did that. And I thought, you know, if I helped a friend move or I helped, you know, a, a family out here in Southern California move. Yeah, it'd be like a case of beer and pizza. And they said, "Nah, you know, we're we're just going it, to, it's family. We just kind of do our thing. Not that I was looking for a reward. I mm-hmm. wasn't. Right. It would have been nice. Something, you know, a little, <laughs> bit, little something, something. Throw so, me a little something here. So here's the reward that I got. I get to watch my five-year-old granddaughter daughter get off the school bus. I'm there oh. when she gets off the bus. Right? reward given she ran to me first yes big old hug Uh i get pictures of the big old hug the (laughs) second day i'm there a second day same thing happens she runs off the bus i get a hug we get pictures and stuff i'm good but here's the interesting thing you're in louisville do you guys have buses for your kids to go get taken to and from school well they don't ride the horses yeah in California, oh, yeah. in Southern California, anyway, they don't uh-huh. have buses. So I mentioned this to my wife that I got Layla off the school bus, uh-huh. right? And she's like, oh, yeah, in Southern California, we don't do buses. And I said, well, what do you do when you take your kids? And they're like, all the moms and dads line up and take their kids to and from.
2: Oh, geez.
3: All of them. And there's mm-hmm. an elementary school and a secondary school right down the street from my house. Mm-hmm. And around two o'clock every day, there's this gigantic line. Yep of cars that line up a half an hour before to get the best spot and stuff. And I thought, let's not get into the politics of how ridiculous it is that we're not having buses pick up our kids to help with the emissions and stuff like that. Let's just get to the fact that when you were a kid and when I was a kid, we have memories of being on the buses. Don't you? I, I lived in a place in the
2: first grade where they had school buses. Okay. And then I moved to two cities From second grade to freshman year in high school, I lived in Boston. Okay. Sophomore year to senior year, I lived in New York, New York. Well, there are probably no buses in New York, New York. They don't have school buses. They have rapid transit. They have the MTA. And in Massachusetts, they had the MBTA. They gave you a little thing that lets you ride the streetcars in the buses for 10 cents. Instead of the 25, they charge normal people. At what age did you get on mass transit to go to school? Now, from, it, from second grade to fourth grade, well, it was fifth grade. I started fifth grade on mass transit. Uh, second to fourth, I walked to school. It was about, mm, about three quarters of a mile. Uphill but, uh, both ways in the snow. Uphills in the snow both ways. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, it was.
3: Wow, because I did the same. I mean, when I lived in Maryland, they had buses, but I walked what had to have been at a, a least a mile carrying a saxophone. Okay, and, me, so Band it, geek. <laughs> it's, it's one thing if you carry like a clarinet or a flute but when you're carrying a saxophone a mile and you're you know 12 years old it, it, i guess it it puts some kind of a of a (laughs) some some muscles maybe my moving muscles came from my saxophone sure (laughs) wasn't where the chick magnet originated i know that's for sure (laughs) that's for sure i imagine the the schlub who had to walk with his tuba (laughs) i think his mom must have driven him (laughs) i I believe so
2: speaking though of of uh studs we have one coming up as a guest today
3: we always do but but this guy his neck hurts and his shoulders hurt and his legs hurt now that he's a 65 year old gentleman but at the Mm -hmm. time he made a lot of other people hurt yes indeed and he holds records uh, pro
2: bowler um he he returned more yards in any one game than anybody's ever done before or since. And we're not gonna tell you who he is. Figure it out. You've got a couple of minutes to Google it and you come back to see if you're right. Our guest is next on your boat shop.
1: We hear that a lot at ChickenDinnerCasino.com because we have so many winners. That's because we have so many ways to win, including slots, blackjack, poker, and more. Of course, you can step into our sportsbook and bet on any sport, including the NBA playoffs and Major League Baseball, with some of the best bonuses around. But don't just take my word for it.
3: Hey, it's Heath Bell here, former pitcher for the San Diego Padres. Hey, this is Ryan Sandberg, Chicago Cubs Baseball Hall of Famer, number 23, retired.
0: Hey, it's 2017 NBA Slam Dunk champion Glenn Robinson III here.
1: Be a winner by playing chicken dinner winner! Winner! Winner, winner, chicken
0: dinner. Chicken dinner, com, where you can become a winner,
1: winner, like me. And our listeners get special offers. Just go to chicken dinner, casino.com slash sports. That's chicken dinner, casino.com slash sports. And you could be a winner, winner today.
2: And welcome back to the approach shot. I'm John Ashton. I'm Neil Michaels. Did you get it? Did you do the research we asked you to do while we were doing? I did. You know who we are about to introduce.
3: I do. Then do it. Okay. Today with us in the clubhouse on the approach shot, we have a guy who's a three-time first team All-Pro and a one-time second team All-Pro, so we're just going to say four-time All-Pro, two-time Pro Bowler, and played in the NFL for 10 years, Leroy Irvin. From Los Angeles yeah. Rams, because the last year in Detroit, we're not even talking about.
0: Okay, <laughs> now I was going to say this. I got 11, man. Give, give me my 11. <laughs> Detroit, all right. Okay, we don't want to talk about Detroit.
3: We're not going to talk about Detroit because, you know, I got two pages of notes on you in Los Angeles. So, you know, Detroit, yeah, you're right. <laughs> right. With, with all due respect to the Lions, who we know are going to do yes. great this year. So let me, <laughs> let me go through this because I always have to start with the uh, – with the facts. So you played in 159 games, had 35 interceptions. And I believe that 35 number is regular season five yes. for touchdowns, including because he don't mess around one for 50 yards, one for 80 yards and one for 81 yards. But here's something nobody ever talks about with you. He recovered 13 fumbles too. Cause everybody talks about his interceptions and about his punt returns, but he did add Another touchdown, he returned a fumble for a touchdown, so there's that. He returned four punts for touchdowns, three in 1981, including two in one game, and one in 1982, led the league in punt return yards, touchdowns, and return average in 1981, and John, as you alluded to earlier, holds the record for the most return yards in a single game, 207 yards against the Atlanta Falcons, who still haven't recovered from
0: it. That was 1981. And it still hasn't been broken yet. 1981.
3: (laughs) Isn't it great to do something that you know is standing for 30 plus years and probably will never be broken?
0: Well, I want it to be broken because then I'll be somebody again.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Man, when I read that stat, Leroy, I I just the question just popped into my head and I got to know. Now, was that just a game where Atlanta had multiple three and out, had a whole lot of punts to catch?
0: It was five punt returns, five or six punt returns. So it wasn't like it was a back and forth game. It was in the 30s. So it wasn't like a three and out game. And it was the first game my dad had ever seen me play in the NFL. From Augusta, Georgia, I heard my dad was coming to the game. I I couldn't even sleep the night before. I wasn't thinking about the Falcons. I was thinking about my dad finally – Coming to an NFL game and, and recognizing me as a, as an NFL player because he's a military guy and he uh, never he only came to one high school game and he came to one, one uh, NFL game. So you're an Army brat because yeah you, know, you were born at
3: Fort Dix, right?
0: Fort Dix, yes.
3: You're talking about '81, but but let's talk about the two interceptions you had in the Pro Bowl in 1986. So now you're playing against the best of the best, and we'll get to the stuff in between. But you're playing against the best of the best, and you're still terrorizing these people.
0: Yeah, that was fun. You know, going to Hawaii, you know, I was there with Dickerson and some of my teammates. The Pro Bowl, I was serious, and everyone else was just joking. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, the receivers weren't running routes full speed. It was like practice, you know. So I Mm -hmm. said, hey, I'm going to. I, I jumped a couple of routes. Uh, I think Marino was Marino, the quarterback or Dan Fouts, one of them. Yeah, I jumped a couple routes.
3: <laughs> it was Marino because after that was over, he, he called you a peeker.
0: Yeah, a peeker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he called me a peeker.
3: Explain to hey. people what a
0: peeker is. Well, a peeker is somebody who looks in the backfield before the ball is thrown. He looks in the backfield and he sees the quarterback getting ready to release the ball. But you know, oddly enough, right in 1986, I had given up one touchdown all all season. Yeah, and de- and I was named All Pro. I was named first team All Pro. And Miami came into town, and 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 Marino beat me for three touchdowns, one in overtime to win the game. Mm. Mm. At the end of the game, Marino told everybody, "Yeah, he's a peaker." <laughs> <laughs> so see, he ended up getting me back.
3: In the now, now, to be fair, Marino got you for three touchdowns, but let's remember who his receivers were.
0: Yeah, Duper. It was Duper. It was Duper. It was Duper. <laughs> he had Duper, Nat <laughs> Moore, and Mark Clayton. Clayton, right. The <laughs> and Marks. Uh, the Marks. You know, and the, thing, the thing is, is that, you know, I felt sorry for Duper because I used to go to the Super Bowl. Every year in Vegas and watch the watch Super Bowl with Dan and, and Duper. We used to go every 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 year we go to by, by four or five years, we go to this Vegas and watch the games. So when I'm playing against Duper, he's doing the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking, damn, you, you okay, man? You okay? I'm thinking he's tired. All of a sudden, bam, he just burst by me. You
2: know? <laughs> the, the official stats I was reading, uh they do it, 5'11", 184. Could you play quarterback in the NFL now? Aren't everybody, like, a foot taller than that now?
0: Well, not everybody. Not everybody's taller. Some guys are taller. But but remember, the taller you are, the slower your movements are. I mean, That's you know, it, it's all about – It's it, the game is all about beating the receiver to the ball. It's real mm-hmm. simple. I ain't got, I got to cover you. I just got to beat you to the ball. You know, taller – you know, bigger guys. Now, don't forget – I played against Harold Carmichael. Harold Carmichael, i sent Harold Carmichael out in uh, in Philly when we played him. Uh, you know, so tall guys. There were tall guys in, in the league in the receivers when I was there. But I rather I rather face a tall guy than a fast, quick guy. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> because the, then the fast, quick guy has the same speed and quickness that I have. So now it's, it's, I got to chase him. Right? right we well, right, a taller right. guy. All I gotta do is deal with his height, cause he can't, he's not quicker than me, he's not faster than me. Now later on, guys like Johnson came from the De- Detroit who are tall and fast, right? And those are the guys you gotta watch out for.
3: Yeah, but guys like <laughs> guys like Calvin Johnson only came around, you know, once in a lifetime. Yeah, once in a lifetime.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I played against you know some tall guys. You know, Dwight Clark, he was six four, mm. and uh, he wasn't that fast, he wasn't that quick. But, you know, some years, like 84, 84, 85, 86, I I gave up four touchdowns. And uh, three was to Duper and one was to Dwight Clark. 85, I gave up two touchdowns. Two were to Dwight Clark. 83, I gave up two touchdowns. Dwight Clark. You know, so Dwight Clark beat me for a touchdown in every game I played against him in, except for the last game I played against him.
3: What made that different? What made him different other than the fact that,
0: you he know, was I, I went to uh, every, every time they got inside the 20 yard line, I jumped the slant and he ran the corner. I played the corner and he ran the slant. I go to Bill Walsh at a golf store and say, Bill, man, how did you guys figure, figure me out? You know, every time I'm inside the 20, I jumped the slant, he throw the corner, I jumped the corner, he, jump, he throw the slant. I say, said, well, Leroy, we just got lucky. We got real <laughs> lucky, you know, and it, it, it's, it's the way it goes. Then I go, I go to Joe Montana. I said, how come every time I got inside a 20, you guys throw the slant? I jump, I think you can go to the corner. And I think you're going to do the corner. You run the slant. said, well, Leroy, you know, Bill just calls great plays. He just calls great, great calls. I went to Dwight Clark. And Dwight said, Leroy, we knew you were a peaker." <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay yeah apparently that got around you didn't know it huh <laughs> hey i i have a question i'm you know i'm i'm doing all the the research and i'm looking at the stats and and i remember you know i, I i'm a cowboys fan so i remember and hated your guts uh, <laughs> a lot. i love
0: the cowboys i yeah. love the cowboys Hey, <laughs> when i was in college i got a silver celica a toyota celica gt yeah. and the cowboys sent me a sticker i was senior in college I, I put that that helmet that 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 star on the back of my Celica, thinking I'm gonna get drafted by the Cowboys. So I'm a Cowboy mm. fan too. All right,
3: all right. <laughs> then then you know you then I can come hang out with you. Okay, we'll watch <laughs> yeah. football together. So that's what I'm thinking is you know you're a member of the Rams. The entire time you were there, they were real up and down. Eleven and five one year, two and seven one year. Then Dickerson joins the club and you make the playoffs a bunch more. Did you? Really get to a point where your rivalry with either the 49ers or the Cowboys or the Giants or the Redskins, did you get to a point where you hated some of these guys' guts, or was it all lay it out on the field and shake hands after?
0: The, th- the thing about it is, I'm a big fan. It- it's a rivalry to the fans. Yep. But to us, it's like a you know, it's like, you know, hey, we gotta beat the 49ers because we know we-, we can't go anywhere and see beat the 49ers. And and back then our rivalries were. The only people in our conference, like we were we were rivals. We we ch- chargers were like our sisters, you right. know, like our sister. Mm-hmm. We we practiced against the Chargers in the summer. We play them in preseason. We may play them during the season, but they're like our brothers and sisters, you know. So we really like wasn't a rivalry. But the 49ers, that was the rivalry. Right. You know, we didn't we didn't really care about the Cowboys. They weren't really a rivalry. It was the 49ers. We had to beat the 49ers, and before I got there. Before Walsh got there, before Montana got there, Rams were beating the 49ers every season mm-hmm. in two games. They were, the 49ers were terrible. But then they when they started winning, there everybody talks about it being a rivalry. You know, yeah. but before it wasn't even a rivalry, it was just ass kicking. <laughs> <laughs>
3: there you go. All right, I got I got one that I'm gonna pull out of thin air for you. In 1983, you returned. An interception 94 yards. It got caught from, from my... not a <laughs> touchdown. How do you run 94 yards and not score?
0: Hey, did you see that piano that was on my back? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what they said? <clears throat> they did they did a little stat about that run, right? I ran 130 yards. I caught the ball on the five-yard line. I went one way, had to reverse field and go the other way, and then run down the sideline. And when I got to the five-yard line, I said to myself, I'm going to just go down because we got Dickerson, (laughs) and I'm sure we're going to score from the two. And uh, the guy uh, running back from the New England Patriots, he tackled me at the one-yard line or two-yard line. You know, ironically, out of that play, we didn't score a touchdown. Oh, Oh. wow. Because because, uh, John Robinson decided to use Eric as a decoy and run Crutchfield three times in a row. That's funny that that you remember it so clearly, though.
3: I know I've heard you say in other interviews that you owe your success to Pat Thomas, Rod Perry, and Steve Schaefer. Talk to us about what kind of impact they had on you.
0: You know, it makes me want to cry, you know, because Pat and Rod knew I was there to take their jobs, and they taught me everything I knew or learned about playing cornerback in the NFL. Because don't forget, I was a safety in college. Mm-hmm. I played cornerback I played my first year in college. Then I played the last three years, I was a safety. So I, had, I was very green at cornerback when I got to the Rams. But Pat Thomas and Rod Perry, they taught me everything. I got to put Bud Carson in there, too, because – you know, without Bud, man, you know who knows where I would would be right now. You know, Pat Thomas and Rod Perry, man, to 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 take me under their wings and teach me everything. I used to go watch film with Rod Perry all the time. I'm still really good friends with Rod Perry to, to, today. And then and then Steve Schaefer, he made me the All Pro corner that I am. He saw that I was undisciplined. Bud Carson was about X's and O's. He wasn't about technique, position, none of that stuff just get the job done with bud carson's thing and Bud we used to blitz a lot and we used to be on the island a lot but when steve schaefer got there he groomed me into a, a real real corner i was a complete corner i could, i was tackling i was uh playing you know playing the run i was playing the pass he gave me a, a game plan on how to be a corner you know and showed me the road map on how to get to the top. So I, I took all those things I learned from Rod and Pat. And then when Steve Schaefer came, I took it from him. But then again, I had a lot of guys, man. Monty Jackson came on the Rams, and he taught me a lot, you know. And then we had Gary Green that came there uh, from Kansas City. He taught me a lot. Eric Harris came from Kansas City. He taught me a lot. And then Jerry Gray, who I trained, I trained Gary Jerry Gray, but at the end, he was my teacher. So, you know, mm. I had a lot of guys.
3: So what does a rookie coming into that situation expect?
0: Well, put it like this. I'm going into a lot. I'm not from. I'm from Georgia, and I go to Kansas, and now I'm in L.A. I go in the locker room. Here's Farrell Gama, who I played against college with, played against. Then you got Jack Youngblood. You got Fred Dreyer. You got Hacksaw Reynolds. You got, you know, uh, Doug France got Woodland Tyler, Lawrence McCutcheon. You know, you got all these guys that that I've been watching play for the longest. You know what I mean? So I'm in a locker room of veterans. I'm in a locker room of L.A. stars, you know, like right? the movie stars. And so it was, it was, I was in awe when I came in that locker room. It was like, oh, man, I'm, I'm in heaven right now.
2: Were there any guys of the same ilk on other teams that intimidated you when you played against
0: them? Oh, yeah, Drew Pearson. I'm a big Cowboy fan now. Yeah, So, yeah. so, so we, we played the Cowboys, I think, in 80 or 81 in the playoffs. All of a sudden, my favorite receiver in all the NFL was Drew Pearson. Favorite. I'm up there lining up against Drew saying, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, <laughs> Pearson. Man, you know, hey, uh, I'm going to shake his hand. I want to tell him how big fan he is. And, and, I, and I, I, I distinctly remember this in my head. I was saying, I want to win the game, but I want Drew Pearson to have a good game. Now I'm covered. <laughs> <laughs> I started the game because Pat Thomas was hurt. And Buck Carson said, what is wrong with you? When he lines up outside the numbers, he's kind of running the end. When he lines up on the numbers, he's running a, a, a nine route. I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I know. But, you know, <laughs> I, want, I want him to kind of get kind of get open sometimes.
3: open. <laughs> wow. That's not the only player that there is word that you had kind of a a starstruck feeling about. There's this quarterback for the New York Jets that you kind of like
0: too. Oh yeah, Joe Namath. Oh, uh, I I love Joe until he, he was doing Monday Night Football in Seattle. Largent used to run all these little weave routes and stuff, and so Zorn was gonna throw Largent an in an in route, but Largent ran a corner. He had an mm-hmm. option route call. So Largent ran the corner. I saw Zoran throw the end. So I would jump the end. Then I spun around to get back to the corner. Joe Namath said, did you see that? Largent had Irving spinning like a top. I'm like, no, screw you, Joe. I ain't a fan of yours no more.
2: I'm just reacting to the ball. We need to, uh, to, to leave the, the whole arena of football and get into some golf talk here in a little bit. Okay. Because uh, the man's hanging out in the land of beautiful golf courses and sandy beaches and sunshine and tequila. So we will be right back with uh, Leroy Irvin here on The Approach Shot. Don't you move. Hello, fresh. Or, or Hello, I fresh.
3: Say is- I know we were just talking offline that you had some kind of unbelievable meatloaf parmesan and gluten meatloaf, parmesan. parmesan. hmm So you'll have to speak to those. I had the lettuce wraps, which is made with ground turkey, onions, tomato, and cucumbers. And then there's this really light, but with a kick sauce that goes with it. My mouth is still watering, thinking about it. Unbelievable. We also had the pork chops and we had the chicken with uh, green beans and they were delicious too. But I can't wait to get some more of them lettuce wraps.
2: You know, my wife works a lot. So most of the cooking falls to me. And most of the deciding what to cook falls to me. I don't like making decisions like that. So what we eat is basically the same stuff day after day. We sat down and and my wife said, We need to plan out some meals for a week. I went, I don't think that's gonna happen, because you have to go figure out what you want to eat. Then you figure out what you need to buy to eat it. And then you have to figure out what kind of spices and you have to buy, you know, a whole thing of spice, even though you only need like an ounce. That's what I love about the Hello Fresh stuff. It comes and you, you take the stuff out of the box. You've got this really nice eight and a half by 11 full four color recipe card. And everything you need is in that bag and everything you need is, is measured out.
3: That's the so, most amazing part is it's simple.
2: And I tell you, the the meatloaf parmesan was the most involved of all the recipes, and I think it took a, a grand total, took the longest. To, it it took twenty five minutes.
3: Yeah, yeah. That the, the the, the les wraps were twenty were twenty minutes start to finish. You have choices.
2: Mm-hmm. You can go from from veggie to family friendly to fit and wholesome. Whatever you're into, that's the kind of meals you can get, and you can get it for two people or for four people. And you can get them at a very great discount if you get them right now, because you just have to go to HelloFresh.com slash 50approach, and then use the code 50approach. That's 50approach, and you're going to get 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. HelloFresh.com slash 50approach. That's 50approach and use the code 50 approach and you'll get 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. It's HelloFresh. It's America's number one meal kit.
3: We said don't move and you didn't. Well, he, we're actually not sure that the people didn't move. We're assuming. Okay, we're assuming
2: and, yeah, and what we did.
0: We
3: all know what that means. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, Before before we get into the golf, oh, he's John Ashton. Oh yeah, and he's Neil Michaels. You're
0: Mike, that's, you're Mike and jared
3: that, that's yeah. exactly right. My all-time favorite Leroy Irvin story, and I remember this game like it was yesterday. And I didn't have any skin in the game again because I'm a Cowboy fan. But I do remember in '85 you had six interceptions during the year. My favorite Leroy Irvin interception ever was a game-winning pick six. You guys were behind Tampa, 27-24, picked off Steve DeBerg. And what happened then?
0: I think I ran for a touchdown.
3: You sure did, 34 yards for a (laughs) touchdown. And that (laughs) game put you guys in the NFC Championship
0: game. NFC Championship game, yep. Beautiful. Yeah, that that, that game against Steve DeBerg, man. You know, Kevin House was the receiver. And me Mm -hmm. and Kevin, we came out the same year. Uh, We were in the Senior Bowl together, so I knew Kevin really well. I knew Kevin liked to run those lazy outs. He ran a lazy out, and that was it. All right, let's
3: talk a little golf here, John. What do you What do you think? Where, where should Where we should where we start with this? Should we
0: start with? That's what we should start with. How you many strokes, strokes. So I get? How many strokes you want? My back is hurting. You know, I got I had back surgery, I had hip replacement. Uh-huh. You know, I think we got to start at least eight aside.
2: I just love those guys are get get to the first tee and start swinging their. Their club a little bit and go. Oh man, just I just hurt this and it just had surgery on <laughs> that and I don't know what I'm gonna do and then what are we playing for,
3: boys? <laughs> you <know>? Right, exactly. <laughs> then they beat you by ten strokes and you're buying all night. Before you got to a point where where this was hurting and that was hurting and all that, what was your handicap? Six point five. God, you know you're a serious golfer when you add the point five.
0: I mean, well, yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's that's the lowest I ever got. And I realized that that you know uh, Lawrence Taylor told me that. Hey, Leroy, bragging about your handicap is not a good thing. But,
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. We had Randy Cross on the show, who I know you know, because you uh, played against him all the time. Yeah, the time. he said he was down to a two before he got his shoulders done. And, and it made it sound like you just did. Oh, I'm old. My my, This hurts and that hurts. And we said, so what are you playing now? He goes, oh, I'm a 12. <laughs> Screw you, buddy. <laughs> I'm like a 20
0: now, why so I need strokes. Make the game interesting. What's the best part of your game right now? Is my putting. I put about a hundred putts a day, Ooh. and uh, my my putting is is pretty good. Now my short game is really good too. I don't drive as far as I used to, but I, n- I never hit the ball out of bounds. I'm mean, I'm driving about two hundred and twenty yards, but I'm a senior, so I'm moving up on the tees. I'm straighter. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to hit the green from the tee tee box. You know what I mean? <laughs> when I was younger, I was trying to drive the green. Now I'm just trying to get the ball within 150 to 80 yards and i'm good
2: yeah
3: you're that guy in in a best ball that everybody loves because you know younger guys let the younger guys unbutton their shirt and and try to hit it to the moon you're the guy who's like you know what let me go first i'll put it 220 down the middle and then everybody else
0: come after me yeah Yeah. i played in the golf tournament uh raleigh fingers uh about maybe uh, two months ago up in sacramento area and uh i played against these guys they're 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 bombing. They're hitting the ball 280, 300. You know, I was I was I was a putter. I made all the putts, man, and, and I felt oh, like I God. contributed.
2: You know what I, mean? I, I I played a, a scramble a couple of weeks ago with a couple of guys who are hitting it, you know, two two eighty, three hundred, but you couldn't ever tell which direction it was going to go. Oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You know, yeah,
2: yeah. Okay. those guys. So we we made them go last just in case, and did the same yeah, yeah. thing because I can I can do the same thing. You know, two two twenty somewhere, but it's going to be down the middle. It's going to be right. in the short grass and don't worry about it. But uh, man, these guys were just every once in a while, they'd hit it in the fairway and we go, all right. <laughs> you
0: know? wow. yeah. So what do to, you play out
2: in
3: San Diego? I'm playing any place. Somebody will invite me, but there's a, there's a company here called JC golf. They had a contest that, you know, when the masters was coming around it said, pick the guy you think is going to win the masters and what you think his score is going to be. So I put John Rom and I think I put 65. Well, John Rom won. With a 64, in was the lowest score. So I won what was considered unlimited golf in San Diego on any of their courses. So I'm going. I'm playing everywhere.
0: Wow. Okay, I'm coming up there.
3: There you go. (laughs) Free free guest passes. Come on, bud. Uh, Yeah, I'm coming up there. So are you playing in a bunch of tournaments? Are you? Do you come? Do you cross the border to come back over here and play in some charity tournaments?
0: Yeah. uh, The next tournament I'm playing in, I think, is Eric Dickerson's golf tournament. Uh, in November. I, I'm playing, I, I, I got a couple more I'm playing in too, but mainly I'm playing in Eric's in November. I play in about one every two months now, you know. I don't really I don't really go up there and play. I got to play one next week, I'm thinking, of it. but I don't really play as, as many charity tournaments as I used to. Cause I live in Mexico, right. and most of the tournaments don't give you housing, you know, like they don't have hotels. So I got to drive up there at, you know, eight in the morning, and then then drive back at, you know, late at night. So sometimes I don't really play. This is like South Orange County.
3: And take the two hours to cross the border. That's
2: always good.
0: Cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, I have, have sentries, so it's easy for me.
3: Do you have a
2: regular group of guys that you do play with on a regular basis? Or do you only no, play No, on
0: not two anymore. Days? I used to play with, I had a group we played three, four times a week, but I haven't played, I haven't really played golf in about two weeks now. So mm-hmm. it's for, I putt every day, but I haven't played golf for about maybe two, three weeks. So I don't really play as much as I used to. I just work on hitting the ball and putting and stuff like that. Yeah,
3: cool. Speaking of, speaking of Dickerson, you have a business with him.
0: We used to be in business together, but now we're just friends. I talk to him quite often. He's a great guy, great stand-up guy. You know, he's the nicest guy. Before Eric wouldn't sign anyone's autograph. When he first got in the league, he wouldn't sign anyone's autograph. He wouldn't take pictures with people, or anything like that. Right? Then I did. I was a boxing promoter, and I did a show in Indonesia where I brought Muhammad Ali over. Muhammad Ali. We're at the Saeed Java. We said, Ali, we're going to be at the Saeed Java for like a pre-fight, uh, you know, dinner and stuff. You pick the menu <laughs> and you pick the groups you want. We're going to bring some groups over. He picked cool and the Gang and the Emotions. We brought them over from the United States, <laughs> had them playing. And, you know, Ali, when, when, as soon as we sat down, this happened at to LAX too. As soon as we got to LAX, Ali signed autographs from the time he got to LAX to the time he got on the plane, signed autographs on the plane, got to Saeed Java the the night after, signed autographs the whole time, didn't eat his his food. He was doing magic tricks with everybody and just talking to everybody. (laughs) And I I was amazed. I was like, you know, like Ali is talking to everybody and signing everybody's autograph. Before that, Eric wouldn't sign anyone's autographs. And I came back mm. and told Eric about what happened in Indonesia with Ali, and since then Eric signs everyone's autograph and he takes <laughs> everybody. That's man. fantastic. Yeah. yeah,
2: there are a lot of stories like that. I was I was at uh, Ali's funeral here in Louisville, uh-huh. and um, and the the love that was just the stories people were telling. He's
0: a, he's, a, he's, a, he's amazing. I mean, I'm I'm talking about he signed autographs at at at, at uh, LAX. From the time he walked in to the time he got on the airplane, and I'm gonna tell you, that guy Ali, he was he was the greatest. Yeah, he was the greatest. And then he, I was a promoter, and then he wanted me to come up to his room and have lunch with him. I was afraid. I didn't want to go to Ali's room and have lunch with him. She, I was afraid. I was too nervous. I was like, eh. he said, Leroy, you you paying for all this? I said, yeah, but I you know, his, I was just too afraid to hang out with him. I ended up going there and hanging out with him, but I couldn't wait to leave because I was just in awe of that guy so much, man. I've never been in awe of somebody It must have been in awe of Ali.
3: We live a pretty good life here. We're talking Muhammad Ali. We're talking about Joe Namath. We're talking about Joe Montana. We're talking about some of the biggest icons in sports. And uh, you hung out with them or you played against them. That's pretty sweet.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was very lucky. God has been good. God has been good.
3: But you know what? Mm. God cannot help you. With what's coming next. Okay. Because we got a six pack of questions Mm -hmm. to fire off at you, and we're going to shoot them at you one at a time. You give us your very first answer. Don't think about it. Just, okay. It comes to mind, or you're going to hear, "Ah!" Okay. We don't want to do that to you. We got that coming up.
2: It is coming up. It's the six pack, and it's with Leroy Irvin here on the approach side. If your company stayed open during COVID, I have some great news for you. Government funds are available to reward companies who stayed open during the challenging time. Now, this is not a loan, and you do not have to pay it back. Your hard work to stay open could qualify you for up to $26,000 per employee at covidpayment.com. You heard that correct, up to $26,000 per employee. This program is complicated, but nobody knows more about it than the tax experts at covidpayment.com. You pay nothing up front. They do all the work and share a percentage of the cash they get you. Businesses of all types, including nonprofits and churches, can qualify, including those who took PPP loans. If you have five or more employees, let COVIDpayment.com help get you up to $26,000 per employee. Visit COVIDpayment.com. That's COVIDpayment.com. COVIDpayment.com.
3: And we are back. To the approach shot. I'm John Ashton. I'm Neil Michaels, and I'm expecting to see some sweat. well Hunter Ali may intimidate
2: him, but I don't think your six pack will, Neil. But all right, well, we'll
3: we'll see. All right, you ready for this? Six questions yes, so right at you. Yes, Question sir. one: You played linebacker in college. Then um, I'm sorry, you played safety in college. I don't know where I got linebacker, and then switched to cornerback. Who did you want to be like when you got to
0: the pros? Mel Blunt. Mm Oh, good choice. He could hit. (laughs) I wore 47. I wore 47. Mel Blunt. (laughs) Yes, you
3: did. Hey, didn't I hear you say, talking about hitting people, didn't I hear you say recently that you hit people and it felt good at the time, but it doesn't feel good anymore?
0: do not feel good anymore.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. All right, question two. This is going to make you sweat. What was the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to you on a golf
0: course? When I hit the ball and broke the the guy's car in the parking lot. Broke his windshield.
3: (laughs) 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 Why is your ball in the parking lot?
0: (laughs) I was was trying to hit the green.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I got it. Now you figured out not to hit it too far and not to try to hit it. But back then... (laughs) All right, question three. Be honest now. Which quarterback did you terrorize the most? And then conversely, who had your number?
0: Well, Steve DeBerg, I terrorized the most. Uh, But the guy who had my number was Joe Montana. Pretty much. Or Marino.
3: Yeah, okay. Those two, (laughs) I think you could probably write that off as everybody else, too. Yeah. All right, question four. You grew up in New Jersey, played college in Kansas. Played most of your career in L.A. and now live in Mexico. Where's the best tacos you've ever eaten? Right here in Puerto Nuevo. What's the name of the place? Give me a shout.
0: El Yake Tacos.
3: Tacos El Yake. El Yake. Yes. Y- <laughs> <tacos>. Yucky Tacos. <laughs> it's
0: like a deer, a deer meat or something. I don't know. Right. Direct <laughs> translation. Of know, tacos. I grew up in Augusta, Georgia. Don't forget now. Yeah, that's right. And well, I, I worked at Augusta National, and I caddied in, 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 the, in the, at the Masters. In 76, when Peter Usherhouse's caddy got arrested, I, I caddied for him one day at the Masters.
3: Ooh, ooh. Is that right?
0: Yeah. So you didn't know that, did you?
3: I did not know that. How many people yeah. have you told that to?
0: A bunch. A lot of people.
3: <laughs> I was hoping we had an
0: exclusive there. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, not on the air, though. I haven't told him about on the air.
3: All right. There you go. Question five. I've seen your touchdown dance, and it needed help. It was it was kind of before all of the like Billy White Shoes Johnson stuff. So, what made you want to do your touchdown dance more? A pick six, taking a kick to the house, or a fumble recovery for a score?
0: Just whenever I got in the end zone, you know what I mean. I just do whatever came natural. Like I did the the dirty bird, I did the shuffle. I, did, I had about three or four, you know. But hey, when you when you hit the end zone eleven times, you got to have a dance. You got to have a dance. <laughs>
3: And for those of you who are just listening to this, go find us on YouTube so you can watch him do that, because that was worth watching. (laughs) (laughs) And question six, and we ask this of all our guests, since we are the approach shot. Leroy Irvin, in your approach to life, what one rule do you live by?
0: Hey, you know, it says in the Bible, who amongst you, if your brother asks you for a loaf of bread, would give him a rock? So I'm, I'm about helping those that can't help themselves. I do a lot of work with the orphanage out here. I'm trying to bring them to the United States, trying to get them educated in the United States. So I'm all about helping those that can't help themselves or not in a position to help themselves.
3: Wow, that's Terrific, maybe one man. of the best answers we've ever had. Yep. I love it. Leroy Irvin, you are off the hot seat, my friend.
0: Hey, thank you guys, Mike, John. Appreciate it, man. Anytime, Call me anytime.
3: We're not ready yeah. to get rid of you quite yet. I do, I do want okay. to ask, are you still involved with Vince Ferragamo in
0: end zone mortgage? Uh, no, I'm not in real estate anymore. I decided that, you know, I got enough money to live without having to go to work every day. So I'm gonna do it because you know, some time is the most valuable thing on earth. If I spend my time trying to make money, then I'm wasting time.
3: It sounds like after you finish playing between working with Vince and working with Eric. Uh you, you had you had a lot of fun and you made some money and stuff. So so God bless. It sounds like you have got life figured out, my friend.
0: You guys are doing the podcast, having fun, doing what you want to do. That's yeah. what I want to do in life. I don't want to stress. I just want to just enjoy my life and help other people enjoy their lives. Because you know, I live in Mexico and the poverty down here is so great, you know, that uh, you know, I, I guy's gonna ask me at the end, he's gonna say, Leroy, what did you do to help other people? What did you do with all the things I gave you? If I just hoard everything that God gave me and and then buy the lavish things to myself that God gave me, how how am I going to answer to him about how I help other people that are less fortunate? So my thing is to help the less fortunate and uh, just being thankful for what God has given me and uh, spreading spreading the love.
3: Well, we're thankful for you, Mr. Irvin, for, uh, for being funny, for being real. And for bringing that kind of love out, uh, it's it's great talking to you. And I'm looking at my phone right now. I'm looking for you to text that address so I can come down and hang out.
0: <laughs> I see my lo- I see my location. You, you you have it. You got it, man. I see my location anytime, Mike, John. Love you guys, man.
2: Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Leroy. Thanks so much for spending time with us here on the
0: Approach Shot. Anytime, anytime.
1: Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Call for closure Protection Services now at 800-500-2021. 800-500-2021. That's 800-500-2021.
3: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
0: The
2: guy's a piece of work. It's a stud. And, and we attract pieces of work
3: to our show, The Approach <laughs> Shop. <laughs> Well, I'm Sean Ashton. That's actually on our business cards. I'm Neil Michaels, and we attract <laughs> pieces of work. <laughs> the funny thing is, if a guy like Leroy Irvin played in the NFL right now, with the abilities that he had, mm-hmm. he'd be the biggest thing in the NFL. You know, leading the league yeah. regularly in defensive yeah. touchdowns, in defensive picks and touchdowns, running balls back.
2: It's Because he's a peaker.
3: He's a peaker. <laughs> <It's> hyster- <laughs> and it's hysterical that Marino called him that. And they used it against him and kind of gave him the (laughs) wink, you
2: know? (laughs) I I think, and you watch a lot of the guys in the pros right now, and you can understand the difference. He said he plays, he doesn't cover his guy. He plays the ball. Plays
3: the ball. Yeah. Right. And interestingly enough, if you've got the kind of speed to be able to make up that difference, because peaking, you know, you got to look over your shoulder for a second, look in the backfield for that second, you're probably not running your fastest or your hardest. So to have that kind of speed and to have that kind of intuition on where the ball's going, that's mm-hmm. that. well, that's why the man was a multi-time that's, pro bowler.
2: And why he can afford to just hang out in Mexico and do nothing, but exactly. eat tacos and play golf. I'm,
3: and or, I'm, or, or, I'm headed, headed down play. there. I'm going oh, to go do from down there.
2: Yeah. I mean, you could just put your bags on your shoulder and walk across the border, can't you? Yeah,
3: that is how I a mean, lot of people do it, yeah. Uh, one thing, I,
2: I don't know if I told you the uh, Augusta story. First off, nitty-gritty dirt band. I always loved the nitty-gritty dirt band, man. I had one song. I forget the title of it. I only heard it a couple of times, but there was a line in there that just said, Augusta, Georgia just ain't no place to be. But I was uh, living in Like I said, I was living in Atlanta in the 80s, so I did not have a football team to root for.
3: (laughs) All due respect to the 80 Falcons. I was uh, working with some
2: folks in the electronics business on the side, Mm -hmm. and they had installed a very extensive in-home stereo system, 35-inch TVs. It was... Was a Bang & Olufsen in the wall, you know, remotes in every room type deal at a large house in Buckhead. Nice. The man who owned the house and bought the system was probably in his 60s at the time and was not quite comprehending how this remote thing worked. Okay. It had what we called the uh, what they called in the electronics business a very high FLQ, just flashing light quotient. Okay. <laughs> So I took it upon myself one day. I got off the air and I just went over there and 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 walked the man through how to work his remote and how to work all of the components. Mm-hmm. And I spent probably three, four hours in his house. And his wife made me iced tea and it was great. And the man was very, very thankful. He walked me back out to my car as I was leaving and he saw my golf clubs in the back of the car. Mm-hmm. He said, you're a golfer. And I said, well, you know, if it depends on on how broad a a way you want to use that word. Yes. (laughs) Right. And he said, well, we should play sometime. And I said, great. He said, I'll call you and we can go to my club. And I said, okay, that'd be fine. Where do you play? Thinking maybe it was the Atlanta athletic club or, you know, one of those places. One of the many clubs there. Yeah. Augusta national. Oh. And I said, thank you. And hoped that he never called me because (laughs) My game was such at that time. Were I to swing a club, anybody looking at me would say, "Excuse me, sir, but you need to leave now." (laughs)
3: Right? (laughs) We've known each other for years now. You have never told me that you were invited to play Augusta.
2: Yeah, I didn't. No, you didn't. I did not go.
3: Does this go down as your biggest regret or your biggest so far? One of my biggest regrets, I'm sure. You know. There's still time. <laughs> well, uh, virtually every time I call you, it's your biggest regret when you pick up the phone. But <laughs> wow, no. you had the chance to play Augusta, and you said, uh, I don't think so.
2: Yeah. I think no, I maybe I- because I was regret. intimidated. And I, I knew what my <laughs> game was like, man. And you had to have a caddy. So I knew that there'd be people laughing at me, like the old joke where <laughs> golfers is, is like 12 over on the by the time he gets to the fifth hole. And he's reading a putt, and the, and the caddy reads the putt for him, and the guy misses it. And the guy looks at the caddy and says, "You must be the worst caddy in the world." And the caddy says, "No, sir, that would be too much of a coincidence." <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay,
2: I didn't want to be put in that position.
3: No, <laughs> oh, I can imagine not. Yeah. <laughs> there, it would yeah. be it would be a great experience, but you're right in that situation, you don't want to be the guy that everybody is saying. You know, I'm hoping that you live somewhere else, and we won't be seeing you anytime soon. Yeah.
2: Again, yeah. yes, don't don't be holding your breath waiting for the invitation to join. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Was but now I'm at 8.6, so now I could do it.
3: At 8.6. With yeah. The, in with the points, okay. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember when we had Kessler Corain on? I think it was Kessler that we were talking to, and he said, he was talking about caddying. There was a hole that he was caddying for Patrick, and mm. Patrick looks at him and says- Patrick Reed, uh, by the way, is it Patrick, Patrick Reed's Reed? caddy yeah. And, and says, I think it's something like 150 yards uphill. What do you think? And Patrick walks over to the bag and pulls out his seven iron. And Patrick says, I think it's an eight. So they kind of look back and forth. And Patrick, to his credit, put the club back and took the eight and proceeded to hole out from that location, look back at Kessler and said, from now on, you pick the clubs. <laughs> right. So I think in in your case, having a caddy may have actually been a help. Couldn't Good. Could, as they say. As they say, couldn't <laughs> hight. Nice.
2: But, you know, that uh, Kessler episode had a lot of little vignettes and, and cute little stories about it. Did. About working with with Patrick Reed and and other stories about uh, some of the touring pros in the PGA. That's just one of 82 other episodes that we had done prior to the, our
3: our hiatus ending and coming back with if, season if, two. If you are a fan of caddy talk, we also had Drano Leno, Andrew Leno the second as yep. a caddy. We also had we've had others. We've also had some of the great. Major League Baseball players and football players of our generation, including guys like Dale Murphy, LaVon Kirkland, Jeff Garcia, Andy Van Slyke, Chris Sabo. Am I name dropping enough for you? Yeah, well, and Max Homa, if you're into golfers, man, Max Max Homa. Homa. We we did an episode with Max. That was fun to be able to get him squeezed in because he was on tour at the time. And when he called us, he said, I only got 15 minutes. And we were like, 15 minutes with Max Homa is better than no minutes with Max Homa. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) And we talked so fast. I was thinking the other day about our very first show with Joey Greco, who was the host of Cheaters for a while. And Mm -hmm. Joey and I knew each other a little bit when he lived out in L.A. We were trying to do some TV stuff together. Joey had full head of hair, good looking guy. If you look back at Cheaters, he's just this, this, you know, stubborn Uh, guy chasing after people to talk about stuff and you look at his hair and and he just looked good looking man since then i have looked to see his most recent stuff joey has a mohawk Uh (laughs) i don't know why but imagine a guy who used to be a television host who now sells real estate in dallas with a grayish black mohawk joey i love you dude it's a look (laughs) all i gotta say that's it (laughs) we'll
2: we'll keep the we'll keep the adjectives away there you go a look
3: (laughs) so please do join us again next week we have uh next week another exciting guest um this time it will be from the world of major league baseball especially if you are from the middle part of the country you will recognize the name i will not tell you who it is because that's how we get you back it's called a tease in the business. He uh, not only uh, he not only pitched and was a terrific pitcher for a Midwestern team, but he also uh, spent a lot of time broadcasting, and I believe he's still on the air. So he'll sound way better than we do.
2: That's right? something to look forward to.
3: So Indeed. until next
2: week, man, take it then. easy. Remember, right. we are the Approach Shot, and this is going to be your favorite
1: podcast. You've been listening to The Approach Shot with the Weekend Golf Guys. If you like this week's episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts. And find us on the web at ApproachShot.net.